live from the Salvation Army National Headquarters, this is the Fight for Good podcast. Hi, and welcome to the Fight for Good podcast. I'm your host, Major Jamie Satterley. In today's podcast, we are going to be listening to an interview with Emmanuel Brafil. Now, EB, as he is better known uh, to, to everybody who has met him, um, he uh, is a fantastic leader, soldier, local officer in the Salvation Army's Florida Division. Uh, EB made his way to the Salvation Army at a young age and has never looked back. He's been sold out since that first day. Uh, and in this interview with the Fight for Good team, EB shares how he was introduced to the Army, how he found solace in a local corps, and how it helped him discover direction for his life. Today, he spreads the love of God by leading the Florida Division's Mission and Young Adult Ministries team. Uh, he's very involved with uh, the Corps and the division there, and really even further than that, uh, EB is connected with young adults all across the Southern Territory and even beyond that, um, has such a, a call and anointing uh, on his life for mission and for ministry as a soldier and as a local officer. So I know that you'll be encouraged as you listen today to this interview with EB. So thank you for taking the time to speak with us today. Why don't you go ahead and tell us a bit about yourself? Well, it's a pleasure of being here. And thank you, Michelle, for, I would say, I guess, reaching out um, a little bit about myself. I am a Haitian American. I am a married man as of November the 2nd, 2019. I enjoy um, listening to podcasts audibles, book audibles, or audio audibles. I usually don't like reading anymore. I work as a young adult and missions program coordinator and spiritual life specialist, like some long, crazy title that I've been given here within um, the organization in the Salvation Army for the Florida Division. I am the last of 13. Um, my mom and dad took the scripture, I would say literal, of be fruitful and multiply. Um, but I always joke with my siblings that the reason I got the name Emmanuel is because they feel that they finally had the right one. Like God is finally with us. And then they kind of stopped after me. So, um, and I'm the world's, well, self-proclaimed world's greatest uncle to 31. And I like basketball and anything Jordan, Florida Gators, things of that nature. So how did you meet the army? Oh, how did I meet the army? Interesting story. So um, growing up, I'll give a little backstory of myself, but growing up, even my parent, my dad to this day, he still, he goes to Haitian Baptist Church in Inwood, Florida, or in Winter Haven, uh, but just a small little town or neighborhood. So we grew up going there. And then from there, we started going to another Baptist church, which was English speaking, um, Central Baptist Church. And then from there, one weekend, the Salvation Army in Winter Haven was hosting a basketball tournament. And from that basketball tournament, my older brother, he got invited to the court to play on the church's team, on the Salvation Army's team. And they ended up winning winning the Salvation Army unit there, won the tournament. And then from there, he started going there on Sunday, Sunday nights. So for him being one of the older ones, we're about five years apart or whatnot. So for him, it was easier for him to say, I'm not going to church with mom and dad. I'm going to church with my friends. As a teenager, he kind of had that freedom or so. For me as an eight or nine year old, I didn't really have that say so. Now, one of the things that my dad and the core officer somewhat agreed on at the time, shout out to Major Caleb Prieto, um, was 
hey, you can pick them up, but after you drop him off, you have to drop him off at our church and not at home. So my brother used to get in the evening double doses of church. So he would go to the army and then he would go to the Haitian Baptist church. For me, I didn't have that privilege. And then one day mom and dad came home from work one day, or I would say later than usual. And it was a Sunday evening. And then the van honked outside of our doors. My brother was like, all right, see you guys later at the other church. And then the younger siblings, um, the last five kids are all boys, but the last four of us started just putting on clothes and said, well, we're going to because nobody's here. And so from that point on, the whole family kind of just tagged, tagged along or not the whole family. I would say the boys and one of my sisters at the time tagged along and was saying, hey, we'll we'll see what this is about. And for some of them, they kind of stayed on for a little bit. But for myself, as you can see, I'm still part of the Salvation Army and still attend a local church um, here now in Tampa. So what made you kind of want to stay where some of your other siblings didn't didn't want to? What spoke to you the most? For me, one of the things that definitely spoke to me was, I would say, our character building program. But it was just like coming. So just a little bit. So at the Haitian church and it wasn't like terrible, but it was like it wasn't really for me at the time. We would have speakers or preachers who would be speaking in French or they'll be going really fast in Creole. And though I can speak Creole, I can have a conversation with my parents or with my peers, but listening or I would say getting God's word, it was not the same to me because I go to school every day and I'm speaking English. Most of my friends at our local Boys and Girls Club speaking English. My circles are speaking English. Um, even if they were Haitians, we were still speaking English and not Creole. So I didn't necessarily feel, even at that young age, 8, 9, 10, 11, that I was receiving what God had for me at that age. So from about eight to about 14 or 15, all of us kind of still went for about a good five or six years. And then as I became a teenager, it transitioned into me working at summer camp. And then I was just like, it's no way I can go back to anything else um, because it became more than just church for me. It became home. And then how did you, or when did you decide to kind of make the Salvation Army a career versus just a church? So in two, so I worked at our summer camp in Florida, Camp Keystone, um, for five years, 2005, 2007, 2008, 2009, and 2010. In 2010, one of my former core officers came to me during that summer and said, hey, I'm losing two of my solid people to the EBC, to the Evangelium Booth College, where individuals go um, for about 22 months or so, which is basically Salvation Army Seminary to make people full-time or commissioned and ordained ministers of the gospel. And so as he was losing those individuals, he reached out to me to be a youth pastor at a local Salvation Army church or unit in Port Charlotte. Um, I received that offer in June or July that summer, and I was unsure. I can be honest with you, even though it was only an hour and a half away from home, I didn't know where Port Charlotte was. I had to look it up on a map and say, oh, I can probably do that. It's like an hour, 20 minutes away. Um, and in my mind, I thought I could commute that. Uh, so, yes, I was just that loud. And for me, it wasn't necessarily a big deal because I know some people were like, you would commute an hour and 20 minutes. So I saw my mom and dad, um, and my dad still does it to this day, but he commute or he still commutes an hour to work from Winter Haven to Orlando to work. So, it wasn't really, it didn't seem like it was a big deal to add like an extra 20 minutes because I saw my dad doing it and he's still doing it. He's been doing it for over 30 years. That's amazing. And it's amazing that you had that pull, even though most people probably thought you were crazy, <laughs> you know, driving an hour and almost and a half to work. Um, you know, I'm sure a lot of people were like, you don't need to do that to prove yourself, but it's nice to hear that you 
listen to God instead of like other people. Yeah. So about the commute now, I, I thought I was going to be able to. And then my mom and dad told me, no, that's not going to happen. Um, you're going to move out and you're going to move to Port Charlotte. So I didn't actually have to make the commute. So I actually moved to Port Charlotte at that same time in December of 2010. And what was very, very helpful during that season was uh, my parents and my core officer or my supervisor and my church leader, my pastor at that time, they had a conversation that was unbeknown to me. I had no clue that it even happened or occurred, but their main thing was that I would still be in school. And that was another, I guess you could say, selling point where I had a pastor and a supervisor because he it was like a dual role where he supported me in continuing my education. And he made sure that I was enrolled in school that January or that spring of 2011. So that was a conversation I didn't know until after of saying, hey, we know you, we trust you, we love you, but please make sure he continues his education because that's the only reason he's really not working right now is because his focus should be school. So shout out to my parents and to my pastor for that. <laughs> that's awesome. It's, it's great that you had a good support system too. Definitely, definitely. So after that, um, so like, I guess, what is your current role now in the Army? So after that, I, I was in Port Charlotte for about six or seven years as a youth leader. And now I have the privilege of working at our divisional headquarters in the Salvation Army for Florida, where I oversee our young adult and our missions and our spiritual life, um, I guess you could say department, so to speak. So young adult ministry, I think it's somewhat simple. Our college age students pouring into them, investing in their life. In a sense, being a mentor or an advocate or a voice for those individuals. And they have a person who at the divisional level who they know they can point to and say, that person has my back and I try my best to do that. When it comes to missions, I have the privilege of working with our different departments. Mostly it's the youth and the music department, but where we lead, plan and coordinate mission trips from time to time. Now, granted, with COVID, that hasn't really been a thing as we're still trying to stay safe and as borders are still closed in certain areas, that haven't been a thing, but we have done mission trips in the past, I would say pre-COVID. And then with the spiritual life component, I work closely with our divisional secretary for program where I oversee what we would consider our desync, which is divisional soldiers' ideas, needs, and concerns. So when soldiers, which is members of the Salvation Army Church, have issues or challenges within their local unit or within the division, they can shoot those things up to me or to our divisional sergeant major who oversees the shepherding, so to speak, of soldiers within the division or being a voice for them. And also just soldier engagement, like how are we meeting the mission day in and day out? And how are we connecting to people who God has placed in our care? Wow, you sound super busy. <laughs> Some days, other in I would say other days it's not, some days it's quiet. I'll say that. <laughs> what are like some of your favorite and least favorite parts about the job? Favorite or least? Uh, favorite part of my job would have to be the young adult component where I get to be, I get to be myself with my peers. And for many of them, they don't seem, see me um, as a person who is like, hey, you have this position or you're in this role. They see me as a person who they can be open and free and honest and frank with. They can be transparent. Um, being somebody who sees them out and about when I'm traveling the state of Florida and visiting our local churches where I can talk to them literally about any and everything. And during the summer, I have the privilege of being our dean of, dean of staff at our local camp. So I get to spend one-on-one -on -one time with over a hundred or so staff members of just saying, Hey, what's your plans after this summer? 
what does life look like for you? Is there something that me and the rest of the team, our DYSs, what can we do to be praying for you? How can we support you? Are there goals that we can help you meet? And just having those one-on-one times where you find out so much about just people who many times are just coming to camp to make a check so they can have money for either school in the fall or to try to pay their bills during the summer. Um, of course, to pour into kids during the summer to meet new people, have connections, And then you hear just stories time and time again of how back home life is rough or how I really had to get away or I would have been in the streets or the way that my friends are living is not the way that I want to live. So I know that this place means a lot to me. And so hearing those stories and those same things that changed my life, um, I now get a part or to play in a sense, or God is using me to make an impact in the life of these staff members. So that would definitely be, I would say, my favorite part, least favorite or other favorite parts are definitely is traveling as well. But least favorite part is sometimes, um, and I don't know, because my supervisor might listen to this. Well, actually, I'm getting a new supervisor because things happen in the Salvation Army where people transition and move on. Yeah, I would say, that too. <laughs> yeah, I would say when we have meetings um, that could have been in an email, that's one of my least favorites. When we focus on things like stats, stats can be a good thing, but I think we look at it as it can be a good thing, but the, the way that we use it at times is very, very terrible and pointless, it seems to me. So just finding ways to be a little more innovative in our reporting schemes. So that kind of leads into then the next question, which is, what are some challenges that you think the Army is facing um, today or even in the future? That's a loaded question. So (laughs) I'll try to be clear and concise with some of my thoughts, I guess I'll say. One of the challenges I think that the Army is facing is, in my opinion, just because I want to let me go ahead and preface that. But in some of our locations, I think we've forgotten the mission, like the foundational pieces of why or where it started and how we have, in a sense, just got into a sense of routine and complacency and stagnant nature of like, well, of course, we're doing good. So we're doing good or we're okay in what we have. But I believe that God raised up our founders, William and Catherine Booth, to be more than just doing the status quo or the bare minimum. And I think at times we get to a place of just a place of just saying we're okay. Like our head is above water, but it's like, okay, are we swimming? Are we moving forward within these waters? So I think that's definitely a challenge. And one of the other challenges, which I have seen some changes at times with, but are just our sense of diversity and inclusion of just different things, whether it be because of um, race or ethnicity for various positions or various roles, whether it be because of gender, whether it be because of age. But I believe that God has gifted individuals of different walks of life in various ways in that if a person could maximize the mission of the army, they should be placed in whatever that role is instead of saying, well, that's just a young lieutenant or that's just a young captain or they don't have enough experience or they didn't go through the hurdles that other people have gone through or, well, that's not the way it is. Or, you know, just those little things that I'm like, okay, I understand all of that. And two thumbs up for those people who make the decision, because I'm pretty sure it's not an easy one. But in those moments, like what is God calling us to do to advance the kingdom? And I think that's one of the that is the most important thing. Absolutely. And, you know, you're not the first one to say about the sharing what our root of our mission is. You're not the first one to say that, but you were the first one to bring up the 
the huge, like, like the differences and like the ages, the genders, the race, you were the first one to say that out of everyone I've asked so far. So it's very refreshing to hear that answer um, because it's true. You know, I'm not a salvationist and I see that in every company, you know, everywhere is facing that issue. And because, you know, I feel like we are the salvation army, we should definitely be, I think, more aware of that and like better of that. And as you said, like that can't be an easy decision to make at the end of the day, but it it should be what's, you know, what's right. We should be like listening to what God is saying and, you know, kind of kind of letting him take the lead. Definitely. And I think that's one of the things that sometimes we struggle with, within not just the Salvation Army, but like, as you mentioned, this is something that all organizations or many organizations definitely struggle with. But sometimes instead of looking at, hey, well, this is the way that they do it, or this is the way that they do it, that sounds good on, the, at least for me being, like, and I know you say you're not a salvationist, but I would actually say that you are. And I say that only because you are part of the mission within your own way. It's not, it might not be, I don't attend the church on Sundays, but the things that you do is advancing the work of the Salvation Army. And I'm one of those, I guess I would say proponents that say our employees, our advisory board members, our volunteers, our church members, our officers, our soldiers, like all of these people are stakeholders of this organization. Now, granted, I know some people who I actually work with or work in the building who say, I'm just here to get a check. And some days I find myself saying, well, you might want to go get a check somewhere else because it's bigger than just the check here. And and that's my, I would say that's my belief and that's my principle or my values of saying the Salvation Army is more than just a check. And if some of us are honest, our check isn't that great for for a lot of people. Um, But we enjoy what we do. And I think that's part of just that advancing the kingdom. And how do we be the one who set the bar for those who are not doing it instead of saying, well, we have this struggle, but those down the road have this struggle as well. Well, I don't want to have this struggle and I don't want them to have this struggle as well. So how do we do better? And maybe they look at us and say, whatever they're doing at the Salvation Army is a little different from us. And maybe we can take note from the things that they're doing or the way that they're impacting our world. Definitely. It's better to be leading the crowd than to be following it. Amen. There you go, Michelle. Don't start (laughs) preaching on here now. (laughs) So can you tell me a little bit about projects that you're currently working on? And this can be work or personal, just anything that you're really working on that you're excited to share in the future? Yeah, so definitely projects that I'm working on, we are actually in conversations. So a lot, most, I want to say all, but I know I'll just speak for Florida. I'm not going to put no other division or other territories out there. But from my understanding, territories and different divisions have partners and missions. So I would say on a professional sense, work-wise, one of the things that we are working to do is to connect with our partners and missions in the Republic of Georgia um, and find out what are some ways that us individuals in Florida could better assist them for them to meet the needs that God has placed in the hearts of their leaders. So that's something that myself and my my current supervisor and our divisional commander who oversees all the Salvation Army work in the state of Florida, we're kind of just talking to each other or brainstorming. How do we make a greater impact with our partners and missions? And not just, well, that's your partner partners and missions on paper. Like, let's be intentional about this. Let's build a relationship. Let's let them know that we are truly for them and with them. And then we not only say that with our words, but we provide a sense of actionable steps moving forward where it's not just, well, we signed a check off to them in 2021, but what does a longstanding relationship look like for three years, five years, 10 years down the line of us saying, 
we are committed to making sure that God is being made known to the ends of the earth by your work of your leaders and your people. So that's definitely something that I'm working on. I guess I'll say professionally on a personal note, um, myself and two of my friends, we engage on a podcast called The Kickback, where we just try to take in current events and let people know our feelings or our thoughts on them. And then we try to enlighten individuals in a, I would say, informative and humorous way each week as we just present our feelings and our thoughts and facts to the world. And you mentioned that you were on some podcasts. What are those podcasts called? Like if people wanted to look them up. So the podcast that I do each week is with two of my coworkers and friends. It's called The Kickback, but it's spelled D-A- and then space and then kickback. And we just, that's the, I would say that's the main place I would say to listen to me, but I've co-featured on a few others um, through the time. Okay, perfect. And um, so what are some of your hobbies then outside of work? Outside of work, you can catch me. I would say some of my, I would say five of my main hobbies. One is sleeping. You have to make sure you take care of yourself, but sleeping is definitely is a hobby of mine. I can find a way to sleep any and everywhere on a plane, in a car. Don't tell anybody at work, (laughs) at the house, on the couch, wherever. So sleeping is definitely one. But if I'm being a little more serious, listening to podcasts, playing basketball, browsing social media just by seeing all the hilarious things and then connecting with my small group of friends, my tribe, my squad, and just hanging out, talking about life. And I love reading, but mostly it's just listening to audible um, audiobooks. So it's not actually the same thing. Now I do follow along when I'm listening, unless I'm driving, then I'm not distracted. But if I'm sitting there just listening to a book that I'm trying to get through, if I'm just sitting down and I'm not just, I'll, I'll read, I'll read along, but I just enjoy listening to the author basically speak. Cause it's like me listening to a speech or a podcast. Yeah, definitely. And sometimes people are, um, they take in things better when they listen. Like everyone yeah. has a different learning style. I am definitely an auditory learner. <laughs> and then who inspires you, you know, to do the work that you do? Oh, man, who inspires me? I would say it's a few people who inspire me. Um, of course, God has placed this in my heart and in my life to, I would say, love God and love others. So definitely him. But it feels like just a, an everyday person, so to speak. Um, my dad, just the way I've seen my dad live his life and the way that he moves and the way that he presents himself to the world daily is definitely a big influence or inspiration to me. Um, Former leaders who I've had, actually two of them are in your building from what I know, but Matt and Jamie Satterley, definitely Marion and Everett Platt, and um, Art and Ann Penhal, Cam and Paula Henderson, Jodel Garcon, Adley Charles, Mozart Charles, Luke Walker. Um, But those are and I, and I know somebody going to be like, you didn't say my name, but those are definitely a few that's at the top of the list where I can say I do what I do because of those individuals. Yeah, that's amazing. It's just, it's so refreshing to hear that you just have a great support system. You know, I think sometimes people don't always have the best support system. Oh, I'll so- say one more. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off, Michelle, but it's definitely one more. Not, now, granted, he's probably going to hate this because he's like, why did you just put my name in this? <laughs> I would have to say. Um, I mentioned them earlier, but Caleb and Rebecca Prieto, but also Pierre and Luna Smith. These two individuals have countlessly gone above and beyond um, for me, for my family, for just different things I've been through. And I 
it's, it's like one of those things I can't thank them enough or I can't repay them enough. So definitely them. And then, of course, um, I would be remiss if I don't say my wife. You'd be in trouble if you didn't say your wife. (laughs) No, no, but she supports and encourages me um, daily. So I'm definitely thankful for her um, as well. And being sometimes, I won't say wanting to quit or give up, but when days are hard, just her little nuggets or things that she would remember that I would forget that may have happened or that I may have done in the past, like she'll share that in a sense of encouragement or support. So definitely her as well. That's amazing. And then do you have any last um, comments or tidbits for our listeners and readers? Just any like final words of wisdom for them? Ooh, I would say for me, final tidbits or words of wisdom. I enjoy making sure I enjoy social media. I'll say that. That's one. Um, But sometimes social media can be a blessing and a curse. So for many of our listeners or those of you are out there, whether it's social media, whether it's your phone, whether it's getting in a circle with people who you share information with um, or you just talk to, find out the people who are truly there for you. I have a group of about, I would say, maybe five or six people who I know I can count on for anything. Um, I'll say my big six squad, my big six squad and my PVB squad where I can say, Hey, I'm hurting right now. And they'll drop what they're doing to make sure that I'm good. Or they'll not, they'll never hesitate to get on the phone with me and say, Hey, let's talk this through. Or they'll make sure that they are constantly praying for me or checking in on me. So make sure you surround yourself with people who are there for you um, and not there against you. Cause There's sometimes that it's people who are there, but they are against you. And then just some daily reminders that I try to tell people every day um, for me, as far as for my social media that I share to the world. But do your devotions, drink your water and mostly or most importantly, love God, love others, stay focused, leave a lasting legacy and keep the grind relentless. And I would say the, the first two of love God and love others. Of course, we many of us or I would say many of the listeners may know that's something that we get directly from Jesus. So that's not like a new thing or that's something we see even in the Old Testament. But that's biblical and that's from the scripture. Whatever God has called you to do, do your best to stay focused. Um, One day, you know, it might be untimely for some. We've seen the devastation, what, what COVID has done. We see the devastation, what we see in school shootings or violence within our country. There might be a time where me as an individual will cease no more as in a physical sense, but I would hope that the things that I've done, um, I've left a lasting legacy on the lives of people I interacted with. And then whatever it is that I'm pursuing or I'm trying to do, I'm hoping that I'm keeping the grind relentless where I'm not stopping until I achieve that goal that God has let, laid on my heart. That's gonna end this episode of the Fight for Good podcast. Now, we do want to let you know that this will be our last episode for a little while as we kind of take a little bit of time to uh, pray and to uh, strategize and envision what the future of the fight for good looks like. So I would encourage you to go ahead and keep that subscription open so that uh, when we record our next podcast, it'll pop right up into your feed. don't forget to follow us. That will continue on. Follow us on the War Cry and Peer on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, we hope to see you soon. So until next time, this is the Fight for Good podcast. See you later. Subscribe to Fight for Good wherever you listen to podcasts.